it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I am your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined, as always, by two wonderful gentlemen, Mike Herndon, Zach Lyons, and uh, good morning. How are we today? Good morning. I'm a, I got a little sore of throat. It's uh, don't know what it is getting a test today. Don't think it's COVID, but I think it's just from running from New Year's Eve through the playoffs and all this stress from the holidays. I think it's just all catching up to me. A little, uh, a little holiday exhaustion. A little holiday exhaustion. A little like holiday it. exhaustion. Like um, well, it's nice that the one thing we don't have to be exhausted about is the Titans not winning the South or having uh, to I, definitely card. exhausted me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it was the not game easy, itself like was, I said. The game itself was exhausting as hell, but your Tennessee Titans 41 38 over the Texans are the AFC South champions for the first time since 2008, I believe is correct. And they have a home playoff game against the Ravens coming up, which is fantastic. We got to talk about that game though. I I don't, I don't ever want to see a kick go through the uprights off the crossbar or off, off one of the uprights again. I, I, I would rather just, I don't know. We just win in not that fashion. <laughs> it was very stressful. The whole time the ball was in the air, I thought it was going, I thought it was going to miss. And then it hit the upright and you couldn't really tell watching the TV angle, whether it went forward or backwards after hitting the upright, you could tell it bounced like in towards the middle, which at least I guess gave it some hope, but it was, it wasn't until the referees actually raised their arms that I, uh, you know, felt like, oh, okay, they did win the game. (laughs) Like, it was uh, stressful to the very, very last second. Uh, I gripped a pillow very tightly, and I had a blanket over my head that was on the couch. Uh, I looked like Mother Teresa holding a child uh, because (laughs) I I didn't know what to expect. I mean, this Tennessee Titans team cannot make it easy, and the rest of the NFL cannot make it easy for us in week 17 to as as people watching this game, watching this team all year long, they just don't make it easy for us. And of course it comes down to Sam Sloman first week as a kicker for the Tennessee Titans to win the game or send us to I guess it would have been overtime, right? Or was it, yeah, was it for overtime? It would have been overtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been overtime. Um and um we already know that the Titans have gone to overtime versus the Texans. So like, I mean, I was, that's what I was expecting was I was truly expecting in Tennessee Titans, NFL gods hate us fashion that it gets sent to overtime and then the Titans lose and and we're out of the, and we don't get to see a playoff game. So that's what I'm expecting this whole time. Thankfully the doink happened. And it went in, but my God, this defense just makes nothing easy except for the opposing offenses. Derrick Henry's reaction was one of my favorites on the sidelines. It was, I I think he even mouthed the words. He missed it. No, he made it. And it was just, 
it was exactly what all of us fans were going through. I, I was sitting in front of my computer because we were getting ready to do our post game show. And I was literally watching it with my hands over my face, like through one set of fingers. Cause I didn't want to, I, I just, I, I couldn't watch it because I was so afraid it was coming down to exactly what you were talking about is that it was going to end up in overtime and, and, and then the football gods were going to curse the Titans again, but no, they got it done. And one of the reasons why they got it done is because Derrick Henry is an absolute animal, 250 rushing yards and 34 carries and he crosses the 2K mark. And one of the things I want to discuss, and I know Mike wants to get into this, and the first topic I want to hit is, is Derrick Henry's 2K rushing season more impressive than Chris Johnson's? The season I'm interested itself, to see where Zach comes in on that. The season itself, um, it's kind of tough, right? And And here's where I may think that it's Chris Johnson. The Chris Johnson, when he got it back in 2009, the, um, I, I was there at the Seahawks game when he got it, when he got the 2000 yards. So maybe that's a little bit of bias coming in right there. Uh, but that Tennessee Titans team was eight and eight and not playing for anything. And the reason being is because the offense as a whole was not great. I mean, it was Chris Johnson and Linda White was really good, of course, but not that season. And then there was, you know, it's Vince Young and Kerry Collins, Nate Washington, Ahmad Hall, Bose Gave, Kenny Britt, Justin Gage, Algie Crumpler. I mean, the defense well, was similarly trash to this year's too. Yeah. This was the Chuck Cecil year. Yeah. I mean, as a whole, I have to say, and I bet it's actually surprising. I think Chris Johnson's 2,000 yards is, is more impressive because of the team that he was on. Now, was it as fun to watch all year long? No, but that was it. That's all the Tennessee Titans had to root for was that 2,000-yard um season from chris johnson and you know it's just i i think it's the more impressive one. Ooh, i'm gonna get I, trashed for that by the way that was the year <laughs> of the new england 59 to zero game like the year that chris johnson went for 2,000 yards the tennessee titans lost 59 to zero it's just True. the more impressive one so i so i agree i and i touched on this with uh um Braden Gall on uh, the 440 uh, sports show this week. But I think Chris Johnson, you got to throw in the, the receiving, right? So, like, from a pure rushing standpoint, you could maybe argue either one. But I think once you throw in the receiving contribution, you have to tilt it uh, towards Chris Johnson. Because Chris Johnson not only had 2,000 yards rushing, but he also had 500 yards receiving uh, in that season, Derrick Henry, by comparison, had 114 yards receiving. So we know Derrick Henry doesn't really do much in the passing game. He never has. That's fine. It's perfectly fine. It's it's not a ding against him. But when you're looking at comparison two seasons like this, I think it has to be factored in. And the fact of the matter is Chris Johnson had a better yards per attempt, 5.6 versus 5.4. Close, but still Chris Johnson a little bit better. And then also you mentioned like the team quality of the team around him, I think clearly 
you know, Chris Johnson was doing it with, you know, Kerry Collins and Ben Young at quarterback. Uh, whereas obviously Henry has had Tannehill behind center to kind of draw some attention off of him. Plus AJ Brown and Corey Davis and, you know, the whole weapons uh, on offense thing. So I, I agree. Chris Johnson's still the most re- impressive running back performance that we've seen from uh, this franchise, but Henry's very, very close. And, and I think Henry's career is going to end up his, let me ask this then. Henry's career versus Chris Johnson's career. Where are you at on that? It, right now, if you took their first uh, five seasons, um, Henry is has started um, only 47 games. Like, let that sink in. There's 78 possible games he could have started. He only started 47 of them, right? When you look at Chris Johnson, when he came in for those first uh, five seasons, he started 77 games and he has 6,888 yards and 44 touchdowns right now. Derrick Henry on, uh, I would, it's almost 30 exact less games has a thousand yards less, but has more touchdowns. Derrick Henry is the best Titans running back in my opinion. And you can go ahead and cement it in there because I don't see anything really derailing him at this point. He probably won't ever get 2000 yards, but I wouldn't really, to be honest with you, I wouldn't put it past Derrick Henry to maybe even reach 2000 yards again, or I think he will. Yeah. I mean, partly because of the 17 games thing, but yeah, but, or he could also still be another, he could be back to back to back rushing, uh, champion for the NFL he's not done and the thing about Derrick Henry is that he gets the touchdowns and I don't see a season where you're going to get like from Chris Johnson where you see him slow down tremendously and um, because you started to see that as the seasons went on in Chris Johnson's career after the 2000 yard, it started dropping and dropping and dropping because he kept crumbling back there in the backfield. And the thing about Derrick Henry is that every ever, almost the, it feels like 80% of his rushing yards are after contact. Like Chris Johnson, I don't know what his yards after contact, but I would say that Derrick Henry's is probably a little bit better through the first five years. It's just to me, 30 less games between the two, and it's only a thousand difference in yards, and Henry has more touchdowns. He's the better running back. Yeah, and I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Chris Johnson's running, unfortunately, was him running into a lot of situations where when he was hitting the line, he wasn't getting a lot of yards, and then he would break off huge, gigantic runs. And that's how he ended up, you know, cracking 2K. That's, I feel like his. 2K season was more impressive also because of what Mike was talking about with the, with the receiving yards that are tacked on as well. And then uh, the Titans didn't have anything to play for that season. So it was all Chris Johnson. Ultimately though, at the end of the day, whose, whose career is better. And I, I would say Derrick Henry, and I would say moving forward and going on Derrick Henry's got, much more upside. And I know Chris Johnson in the past has kind of blamed some of his downfall on Didn't he sit out for contract reasons the next year and then threw off his conditioning and that kind of thing. So yeah. I know his, his career was never the same after that 2000 yard yeah. season. I mean, he really, I mean, and that was only his second year in the league when he did that. So, you know, yeah. 
from age 25 on, he really was never the same guy again, which was crazy. And, and let me say this to all the Eddie George people. Eddie George has got the yardage so far. I mean, but Derrick Henry's going to crush it at this point. But look at what Eddie George did as far as scoring. 64 touchdowns in his career with the Titans from 96 to 2003. 64 touchdowns. Derrick Henry, through five seasons, has 55 touchdowns on the ground. And in a passing league. I mean, that's the thing. Back when Eddie George was, you know, doing all this, it was a ground and pound, grinded out kind of team. And right now, and I think Eddie would probably say that Derek is probably, he's got all the tools to be better. And this is all speculation. I mean, if something catastrophic happens, obviously you can't really say that, you know, whatever. But trending in the direction that Derek Henry is the best running back in this uh, team's history is how I view it. And, it's, I, I, and I think Earl Campbell really, if you want to go franchise, is yeah. the guy to beat still. Right. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and I, I agree. Henry is far surpassed George. Here's the stat that if, if anyone out there is screaming Eddie George at their uh, phone or whatever they're listening to this on right now, here's the stat that should put any Eddie George versus Derrick Henry debate to rest. Derrick Henry's career low yards per attempt for a season is 4.2 yards. Um, Eddie George's career high was 4.1 yards. Uh, you know, there's no debate that Eddie George was a great leader, great Titan, big part of some of the best teams in this franchise history, but Derrick Henry is far and away the better running back. Um, and, and that's, I don't think a disrespectful thing to say. I think it's just the truth. Um, and, and Henry is year by year cementing himself further into that leadership role. And he's really kind of, I, to me, the combination of Eddie George and Chris Johnson, he's got the home run plays that Chris Johnson had the 2000 yard season, but he's also got the, the leadership and, and the respect and the, the, I guess, kind of, uh, ground and pound approach that, that Eddie had at times too. So I, I think he's kind of the best of both worlds between those two, which is, is kind of a, an interesting uh, combination for Titans fans specifically. No, for sure. And it's, it's, you don't want to, it, this is, it's not to dismiss Eddie George at all, because like you said, what the Titans owe to Eddie George, as far as a leadership standpoint from when he was on the team. And then plus, Derek Henry owes Eddie George a lot, right? I mean, you know, it, it was George that he reached out to, and Eddie helped him finally kind of realize, like, man, you know, what your running style needs to be. So, absolutely, not to diminish him, not to d- diminish him at all. But Derek Henry is, you know, he, he's forming himself to be a, a pretty wildly great running back, probably the best running back the Titans have ever had. So, um, I want to move on to AJ Brown. One of the things, obviously, we've hyped on all season is the fact that. The Titans have a bona fide like wide receiver who is on the verge of being a superstar. He's to break out, absolutely going wild, has cracked a thousand yards. Where does where does he put himself so far in your eyes? Let's compare him to Derek Mason. Now I'll start with Mike. Yeah, so I I've I've made this point on Twitter and a lot of people jumped in and, and have brought up like the hollowed out husk of Randy Moss that we saw in a Titans uniform and, and Andre Johnson and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I get no. it. Those guys were great receivers, but they were not, they, you might as that might've as well have been like 
Andy Ross uh, that was playing for the Titans because it looked nothing like Randy Moss, the uh, the ridiculous superstar receiver. So I'm not counting those guys. They go go to hell, Randy Moss and, and Andre Johnson. <laughs> um, but so Derek Mason is the GOAT Titans receiver. I don't think there's any doubt about it coming into this season. I think A.J. Brown, if he hasn't already passed him, he's level with him already. Because if you look at – well, for one, I think A.J. Brown is going to continue to get better. He's played this entire season basically injured. Uh, you know, you see it every game now. He goes down and he's grabbing his ankle the first time he gets tackled. Um, so clearly the ankle that he rolled against the Browns still bothering him. But he's gutting it out, playing through it, showing some toughness, everything like that. But this dude, he brings everything to the table. Here's the, here's the reason why I think he's better than Mason. Mason was a good chain mover. He, he put up a lot of yardage. However, he never scored a lot of touchdowns. Um, and he, I don't feel like AJ, I don't feel like Derek Mason ever had the moments, you know, he had the punt return against the Jaguars, but I don't feel like he ever had the moments that AJ Brown does AJ Brown. When the Titans need it, when the Titans are in a spot, you know, he's done it to the Texans twice, basically, this year with the, the touchdown catch to tie the game in regulation uh, against the Texans earlier this year. And then the 52-yard bomb uh, that ended up setting up the game-winning field goal this year, you know, this past week. A.J. Brown has the moments. He has the stats. He's going to the Pro Bowl for the first time this year. He's got everything you want in a receiver and – I just don't – I think he's a more complete player right now than Derek Mason ever was. And I, I just think he's the best receiver to play in a Titans uniform. It's, it's no contest. I mean, I don't care when you became a fan of the Tennessee Titans or when you started covering the Tennessee Titans. If you are going to sit here and try to tell me that Derek Mason is the best Titans wide receiver and A.J. Brown still has a couple seasons to go, get the hell out of here. Look at the stats from the first five years and of Derek Mason's career. It, it took him five years to get to 17 touchdowns. A.J. Brown's already at 19 touchdowns. He has two 1,000-yard seasons already. It took 2,001 from 97 to 2,000, those four seasons, not even 1,000 yards. 2,001, 1,000 yards for Derek Mason. Give it, give it a rest. I mean, I understand that everybody's going to scream recency bias and all that stuff, but also just look at it. I mean, I see very few wide receivers that are right now that have made an impact on their team quite like A.J. Brown. And let me say this. DK Metcalf has disappeared these last few weeks. You know who's stuck around week in and week out, grinding it out through injuries and all this stuff, and has a 2,000-yard rusher on his team? A.J. Brown. It, it's, it's no contest that you are seeing the greatest wide Titans wide receiver on the field at the moment, and Derek Mason is a distant second. It's A.J. Brown and everybody else, and – Look, I know I bashed Nate Washington last week, but Nate Washington was a really good Titans wide receiver that doesn't get, I think, talked about enough because he was on these horrible teams. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't think it's A.J. Brown, I, I don't know what to tell you. Don't 
bring up Randy Moss to bring up Andre Johnson, blah, blah, blah. It, I mean, give me a break. It's, it's AJ Brown. He, he just does it. He does things that no other Titans wide receiver has done. He takes slants to the house or crossing routes. And I know people are sick of seeing him catch all these slants, but all these slants are important. I mean, the slants these, are great. I don't know yeah. why anyone would be sick of that. That's the best thing that he does. It's arguably yeah. the best thing that this offense does. And this is an offense with Derrick Henry. Well, and the slants also help build up and help him sell deep routes later up in the game. It's like everything on this offense, and I'm sure we'll talk about Art Smith and all this, but everything that is done on this offense is to build upon and to plan ahead for something else later in the game when they get a certain look on the field from the defense. It's all important, and and right now, A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver. And listen, Corey Davis is having a great year, but Corey Davis had some bad drops this last, this last Sunday. But A.J. Brown is the guy. He's the man. He's the alpha dog. He's the wide receiver we've never seen take the field in a Titans uniform, and it's him. It, he, it's him and everybody else, in my opinion. And for me, it's, it comes down to, there's the little things too. It's just the way that even just in his second year, AJ Brown's, you know, footwork and his dependability with catching. Yeah. He did have a couple of games this year where, you know, he developed the dropsies, but that seemed to have disappeared. But it, it, it really, I do like, like his route running and his, his footwork ability is, it looks like to me, it's been in the, someone who's been in the league for several years. Right. I mean, that's not something that yeah, DK Metcalf got better this year at route running, but he worked pretty significantly in the offseason to try to uptick that. And I think at the end of the day, if you compare him five, 10 years down the road, I still think A.J. Brown will be the better route runner. But I know it, it, I want to go off on a side tangent. What, what makes the Titans fans so mad about these slants? The way the man catches the ball in stride and tears ass up the field. How can you not like that? Because exactly yeah. what Zach said, it sets up later for, for deep ball shit. Like you saw at the end of the Texans game that catches people off guards. It's fantastic. But we've seen him yeah. take them like 50 yards for the house to the house. I mean, okay. it's not like a slant just automatically falls to the ground. And, he, you know, he can, I know it looks like that sometimes, but I mean, he catches contested catches. I mean, I don't know what more you want from a guy and what more you want from this offense. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what fans AJ, are expecting and want anymore. We're, we're number three in scoring offense. If I, if I'm recalling that correctly or tied for second, I can't remember fourth, which one it was. Fourth, I think. Oh, tied for fourth, fourth, but one point out of third. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, either way, it's a top five offense. I just will never get, yeah. you know, I just won't get it. I just won't understand it. And I mean, frankly, AJ Brown catching the ball and in, in, running into space against a secondary is the stuff of defensive coordinators nightmares that that is what the Titans should be trying to do as much as possible anytime they can hit AJ Brown coming over the middle and give him a, a safety or a corner to beat in the open field that is a win for the Titans all day every day that is why they go to it so much that that's what they're trying to do it's it's a great matchup for them because he's an absolute animal after the catch uh, he does, like I said, he does everything. Mason was a good receiver, very good receiver. I don't think he was ever a great receiver. I think A.J. Brown is a great receiver right now. Um, and, and if you look at numbers-wise, because I know a lot of people will point to, all right, well, Derek Mason had some really big statistical seasons. Mason's best season, 2003, 
he had 1300 yards receiving eight touchdowns. So, I mean, the touchdowns were never a big thing with Mason. That's just something that wasn't a big part of his game. And I think that's a tick in AJ Brown's box, but the number of targets he received, he got 133 targets this year. AJ Brown got 106 this year. That's, that's a, if you look at it on a per target basis, Brown is certainly better than, than Mason was. So, you know, May, Brown is putting up these numbers in an offense that features, like you said, a 2000 yard rusher and also Corey Davis, who, you know, gets a g- good amount of targets in, in some action going his way as well. So I don't know. I just, I just think Brown to me, does it, does everything you want from a receiver. And frankly, this, this conversation will probably not even be a discussion in about two years uh, because Brown's going to surpass everything that Mason did uh, as a Titan within the next two years. And it, this won't even be a debate and we'll get to just enjoy the back half of his career as the goat Titans receiver, as he should be right now. So Titans, obviously they get all the win. Thank God the Titans are AFC South champions and it, which is warms my heart, warms my cockles because I, I'm just, <laughs> But I was really, really tired of seeing the Titans just, you know, live off of this nine and seven run for a while, sneak in on wild cards and have to deal with, you know, have to deal with away game playoffs game. They, they get a home playoff game. It is against the Ravens. Is that beneficial to the Titans? The, the Ravens have gotten hot as of recently. I do want to throw up a tweet that um, our own Justin Graver had put out the last but I'll just read Baltimore's last few wins uh, against Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Giants, and Cincinnati. And the point he's throwing out is, did they hit their stride or did the Ravens just start beating up on bad teams? Well, to counterpoint that, we lost to two of those bad teams. The Tennessee Titans have lost to the Cincinnati Bengals and lost to the Cleveland Browns, and they trucked those teams, I think, outside of everybody except the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they trucked. Yeah, the they Browns trucked, was a Yeah, the Browns was the close out. one, if I'm not mistaken. But out yeah. of the three, the last three weeks, they trucked those teams. It's like 151 to 30-something was the combined scores of those games. Um, here's, here's the issue with drawing the Ravens in the first round is that no home team has won the home playoff game between these two teams when they've met. And the Ravens are the hotter team. It's the scariest matchup, I think, in the first round the Titans could have drawn. And and I know that people are going to say, well, the revenge game should have been, you know, in the middle of the season, right? That should have been the revenge game. But this is definitely revenge game for the playoff win uh, on their home turf last year. It's, it's a scary matchup because they're running the ball like crazy. They're doing a really good job of just being explosive in that explosive offense that that was seen last year the and the problem is there is no defensive coordinator or defensive player on this team that is gonna uh that i feel can really step up and do what was done last year because this is dean pease last year i mean dean pease had them all done and everything and i know people are gonna say well, we the titans beat them in the middle of the season yeah, they were missing Michael Pierce and uh, um, uh, Brandon uh, Williams, Williams and Lamar game. Jackson hadn't practiced all week. I mean, up until game time, people really thought that RG3 was going to be starting. I mean, 
you know, stuff like that Wait, does play for into the Titans it. game. Yeah, because uh, that was COVID week, if I'm not mistaken. Or am I thinking no, the Steelers week? No, he had COVID. He had COVID after. Oh, after COVID the after. We we gave him COVID. Uh, yeah. uh, but right. anyway. Um, Let him borrow it. They were they were very average back then. I even said told everybody that was an average team when we uh, were heading into that week. This is not that same Baltimore team. And but however, and they took us to overtime. This average team. However, this is the same Titans team. This Titans team has not gotten any better or worse, but they have gotten better. And I think. I think it's going to be a little tough. It's going to be a tough one. I, I think it's going to be a close one. It's not going to be a blowout or anything, but it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough tough matchup to draw. It's the one I did not want to draw. I I agree with that. I was I was hoping, and honestly, as much as there is an alternate scenario, right, where like the Bills bench all their starters against the Dolphins, the Dolphins win. And then we all spend the Texans game having even bigger heart attacks because a loss would have meant missing the playoffs. Um, but you would have, on the other hand, you would have drawn the Dolphins in the first round, which, I mean, you want to talk about a, a layup if you could have got one in the first round. The, the two of Dolphins would have been as close to a layup as you could have gotten um, in the AFC this year. So, that would have been kind of nice, right? But anyways, they, they ended up with the Ravens, which, you know, almost feels like it's written in the stars at this point. Like if the Titans are playing in the playoffs, they're going to have to play the Ravens at some point. Um, so here we go again. Um, Clay's Campbell, Brandon Williams makes a huge difference. Um, especially, I know Aaron Brewer played against the the Ravens last time and did well. He played played pretty well in that game. It's a very different story if you're looking at Aaron Brewer against Brandon Williams and Clay's Campbell, though. Like, Aaron Brewer is going to be abused by Clay's Campbell if he's forced to start. We don't know. It sounded like uh, I think PK tweeted out this week that uh, Saffold would be close. He'd be a close call this week on, on whether he could play with his ankle injury. We better hope that Saffold can find a way yeah. to go because because Saffold versus Williams and Campbell, I feel a whole lot better about than Brewer um, in there, despite the fact that Brewer has actually played pretty well considering what he's been asked to do. But um, I do think there are some positives to look at. We know that this Titans team matches up pretty well with the Ravens. They, they have played them well the last two times. They've obviously beat them the last two times they've played. The Ravens, despite all their success of late, they still can't throw the ball. Like They're still not beating teams through the air, which is the Titans' huge weakness. If you look at their passing yards, uh, since you know they got hot and started winning again, they threw for 107 yards against the Cowboys. They threw for 154 against the Browns. They threw for 250 against the Jaguars. They're one game over 200 in this stretch. Uh, they threw for 183 against the Giants and then 121 against the Bengals. They've obviously been running the football like crazy, which is what they do. That's how they're going to win. But that is what the Titans can stop, right? Like uh, of the two, you'd rather face a team that's really good at running the football than really good at throwing the football. The Titans' pass defense is notoriously terrible. Um but I think they can game plan for what the Ravens do 
and take it away more realistically, or at least limit it more realistically than what they could if they were playing the Bills or, or the Chiefs or somebody who's really prolific through the air. So I think they're, it's going to be a tougher matchup than it was midseason. I think the Titans didn't play their best football game, it, you know, it, at, during that matchup either. So I think you could see better from the Titans and better from the Ravens in this game. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a battle. I think it's a coin toss either way. Um, I, I think it's going to, I could see it going either way. I could see the Titans still coming out and, and being able to push the ball downfield and, and really attack this Ravens defense. Like they've shown they they're capable of doing, um, or I could see that the Ravens coming out and, and just running all over uh, the Titans defense and, and really not, you know, Titans not having an answer. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's a tough matchup for sure. It, and it'll be fun. I mean, I, I like that this rivalry continues to uh, pop up in the playoffs. I do. And I think, I actually think that the matchup just coming down to three games in one calendar year, I do like that. The, the, obviously there is a part of me that, that the mystique factor of, Oh hell are the Ravens coming into the Titans house to try to do to them what the Titans did to the Ravens last season. There is definitely that aspect to it. But I think if you look at the overall matchups in the AFC playoffs, and yes, obviously, if you were to grab Miami, that would have been great. Even the Steelers, the Steelers have looked pretty anemic, you know, the last several weeks and and have had to really kind of dig to try to find ways to beat not so great matchups. But I don't think anyone wants to face the Buffalo Bills right now. I know that was not really a matchup scenario for the Titans in the first round, but the Buffalo Bills are absolutely on fire. You know, Buffalo is somebody that if the Titans can get past the Ravens, you would like to see Buffalo get beat up a little bit, right? You want to see Kansas City get beat up a little bit, right, before you try to face those teams. But there's a lot of things with this Ravens team that that does scare me. The, the, the run aspect, you know, with Campbell being back and that kind of thing does – kind of bother me but the passing yard aspect that you threw out there Mike that is intriguing because the one thing that the Titans can actually defend against is the run um I, I I'm happy that it's at home for the Titans and again we've been saying it all season if the Titans defense can just not be atrocious and can be bad and stop being a cannonball hole in the center of a rowboat then the Titans actually have a way to get through this and it's certainly going to be on the back of the Titans offense. Yeah. I just don't have faith in the Titans defense. Like that's my, that's the big hangup for me and throughout this whole playoffs win or lose my big hangup about securing or predicting any kind of win for certain is this Titans defense. Cause you just don't know. I mean, you know, what's going to happen is that they're, going to play pretty bad defense. Um, just how bad is the question? And um, I'm working on an article right now for defensive coordinator replacements, but I'm definitely afraid that Shane Bowen is going to get one more year and they're, they're going to chalk it up to injuries and players being missing and players not living up to expectations because that's kind of what it sounds like that keeps getting planted into these press conferences was, you know, there's only so much we can do as a staff is kind of the theme that I'm hearing. But, you know, it's the same players that Dean Peace had these last two years. So 
you know, to me, all signs point to that there is a, a, a major systemic issue starting with the top all the way down to the players on the field. And I, I know that you threw out the passing yards that they haven't been doing it through the air. But the thing is, is that they've been building off the, the Ravens. They've been building off of the run and just getting touchdowns. Like they're getting touchdowns like crazy. Uh, they, they've gotten three through the air, two through the air, and three through the air these last three weeks. And I know the Titans do the same thing. I'm not worried about the Titans offense versus the Baltimore Ravens defense. Not worried at all. I am worried about our defense versus their offense. And can we limit time of possession? Can we limit this run game enough to damage and make Lamar beat us through the air, which he pretty much could, I feel like, unless we just get see the Titans get lucky and uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, has a case of the yips like he did against us the uh, last game. So I do want to shift over and talk a little bit about Art Smith before we wrap up. Not that I thought the Titans had any kind of chance of keeping Art Smith at all, but pretty much worst case scenario this offseason, you have six teams right now that do not have a head coach, two of which I think have scenarios that are really, really worth looking at real quick it's you've got falcons lions texans chargers jaguars and the jets that all have coaching vacancies and it looks like out of those groups just from a money standpoint and pick standpoint and correct me if i'm wrong it kind of looks like is it the chargers and the jaguars that are kind of sitting at the top of the pile mike I think the Jets are up there too, actually, from a picks and and money standpoint. And then, of course, you know, there's the lure of Houston having Deshaun Watson, which, you know, they don't have any money or picks, but they do have Deshaun Watson, which is a pretty nice uh, toy to get to play with. So it's it's apparent, and I just don't see Art Smith staying at this point. What job do you feel like he matches up best for? Where would you like to see him go? What, what kind of what what dynamic do you think fits out of those teams that are looking for a coach? Well, I'm calling it right now. He's not getting a head coaching job, and it, it. But if he did, it would be Atlanta, and Atlanta makes the most sense. I'm, you know, earlier in the week it was brought up. Uh, I believe by PK said that Mike Malarkey had already been reached out to to talk about Art Smith from another team to get a background on it the easy connection would probably be the Atlanta Falcons was that team. I, yeah. I think that the, the best case scenario for him is still the Atlanta Falcons. It's close to the home that he's built over the last few years here in Tennessee. It's got an established quarterback that we know from experience here that he can revitalize a quarterback's career. It's got the most offensive weapons, Julio Jones, um, um, Calvin Ridley, and uh, Russell Gage, it, the run game needs to be fixed. And we know that the from experience that he can fix the run game and all that. And they're the in uh, Matt Ryan has uh, experience in a similar type of offense. His MPP season was in a similar type of offense. So the best fit, I think, for team and coach is Art Smith to the Falcons. But I, I think that I, I think it's going to be hard for hard, a lot harder for Art Smith to to find a job this year just because first I think that I think that with the the new hiring 
the possibilities that the NFL has laid out and incentives, I think we're finally and rightfully going to see a lot of coaches that have been passed over for jobs, get some good jobs. But I also think there's a, it's a connections game, right? It's all about the connection to and who, you know, and blah, blah, blah. We, we know that Houston is a dumpster fire of an ownership group and situation. And there is a head coach on this team and a couple of coaches on this team that have been through the ringer with the Houston Texans and that awful ownership group and that scenario. We saw that Deshaun Watson has already said that it lacks foundation and all that stuff at the end of the season. He just said that the other day. So I kind of think that he may not want to start off going. I know Deshaun Watson is a nice piece, but I don't think he may want to start off going to the Houston right out of the gate. Chargers is appealing, but I think Brian Dayball is going to be taking that job because he went to high school with Tom Telesco, knows Tom Telesco really well. It's all about relationships. And we saw what he's done with Josh Allen. Perfect marriage. Robert Soleil is going to go to Detroit. The government of Michigan is like petitioning them to hire Robert Soleil. He's from that area and all that stuff. So I think that's a given. Um I think that Eric Bieniemy is probably going to have either the Falcons or the Jets. So I, I think Joe Brady is a is probably going to end up at the Texans. So that's an that's a name that you're hearing connected a lot. And Urban Meyer is going. I'm penciling or putting it in ink. Urban Meyer to Jacksonville is just too delicious to pass up at this point. I I really do think it's actually it kind of ended up in a perfect situation where Art Smith. I think there's a very good chance Art Smith is back next year. I think that's certainly possible. I, I, you know, it, it's all going to depend on, like you said, connections, fit, you know, what, whether he interviews well, whether the the ownership likes the plan that he presents, you know, for the team, you know, all that stuff matters. They don't just look at the list and go, Oh, well, he had the best offense. He gets to go here. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's not how it works. So I think there is a chance that he's back for sure. And, you know, it's, nothing's a guarantee by any means. Um, and there's only what six openings right now. So he's been requested to interview for all six. So there's certainly a lot of interest in him and, 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 and he's been requested he to interview up. or they're going to put into a request. So that doesn't necessarily right. mean that they actually will. It's just that they, right. it's speculated that all six will. Yeah. And, and I think it's uh, there. It was reported by uh, a guy with the Detroit media yesterday that he is not going to interview with the Lions. So it sounds like he's at least passing on one uh, opportunity. But um, I agree with you that Atlanta may be his best landing spot. And I think from a fit span fit standpoint, you know, where Atlanta really excelled offensively was when they had obviously Kyle Shanahan. And Arthur Smith runs an offense that's very similar to Kyle Shanahan's. He comes from the Shanahan tree, I guess, indirectly. Uh, but he's he's still going to run something that looks a lot like what Atlanta had when they were at their heyday in 2016 with, with Shanahan. So I think if you put Arthur Smith in there, uh, you know, he could get that offense going at a high level again. And then, you know, he needs to find a defensive coordinator, which, you know, he doesn't have one on the Titans staff to bring along. So I don't know what his defensive coordinator plan is. And that's another thing that could make it tough on him for, you know, finding, you know, a job because all ownerships, all, all general managers that are interviewing head coaches are going to want to know who are you bringing on your staff? What does your staff look like? Arthur Smith's been with the Titans for 11 years. Now he's been a part of, 
what, four different staffs, I think, during that time. So he's crossed paths with a lot of guys just by staying still. But, I mean, if you look at the defensive guys that have come through here, I mean, maybe maybe he'd go reach out to Kerry Combs and see if he wants to come over back to the NFL and be his defensive coordinator. But Kerry Combs, we know, is an Ohio guy. I, I think it may be harder to pluck Kerry Combs out of Ohio State than you might think. Um, but I don't know who else. Who else is a, a real defensive coordinator? I mean, Pease and LeBeau retired. They're not going to come out of retirement to go work with Arthur Smith in a new place. Um I just don't know who you bring. But anyways, I, I think the chances of him leaving are still, I mean, they're probably 50-50 to me. Um, you know, it's kind of a coin flip. It, it'll depend on bid and, and everything like that. But if he does leave, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I keep seeing people talk about like, oh, the Titans should fire Vrabel and just promote Arthur Smith so they can keep him. Eh, I, I'm not buying that. Like, Mike Vrabel is the head coach of the football team. If you like the results of the football team, then Mike Vrabel should get the majority of the credit. He is the guy setting the path. He is the leader of the team. He, I think, has way more input into the offense and what the offense looks like than what most people give him credit for. It's not like because he played defense and was a defensive coordinator, he doesn't understand offensive football. He is taking apart offenses and put them back together, trying to stop them for, for years. So this is, it's not like the Titans will be completely helpless uh, if, if they lose Arthur Smith. I think they've got a lot of in-house candidates that are really quality guys that they could promote, keep some continuity, uh, be able to use, you know, the, knowledge and and base of information that they've built over the past three years in this offense and kind of continue to grow it. I mean, and a new guy's going to have his own ideas, his own twist on things, obviously. And that's good. Every, everything needs to grow and adapt, but I don't think they have to go out and hire some totally different, you know, guy with, with play calling experience. Like, that your choices are promote from within or hire a guy with you know no play calling experience or hire a guy who's failed somewhere else and, and hope that he does better here. So like, those are your options. The guy that's like, Oh, I've, I've been great coordinator everywhere I've been. I've uh, had a lot of success that that guy is either getting head coaching jobs or he's already in a position where he's not going to leave. So the guy with like the perfect, track record perfect candidate is not that doesn't exist you're either going with a in-house guy or a young guy with no experience or you're going with a retread who has failed or or washed out elsewhere for some reason or another so you know I, I think they can promote from within whether it be Keith Carter or Todd Downing or Pat O'Hara or whoever um, they can pr promote from within Ryan Tannehill knows what he wants out of this offense he knows how to run this offense at this point I think you can smoothly bring the next guy in and not really miss any beats. I like it. I, I, I'm interested that you two believe that, that, um, that Art Smith actually has a good chance of staying. I mean, Zach, Zach has made it apparent that he's going to stay. Mike is on the fence. I, I was kind of the, under the impression that this was actually kind of a worst case scenario is, is that there were multiple openings and a couple that seem that would be a good fit, but I'd, I'd be interested to see if he, if he goes anywhere. Well, I'll say this, that uh, I put out a poll yesterday, 51% said he will and 49% said he won't. So there, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's more in line with Mike's thinking, but like, 
The Texans, I think Eric Bieniemy, Joe Brady, Matt Eberflus, Jim Caldwell are all in that. And the, the Jets, I, I want everybody to, to think for a second that Joe Douglas comes from the Baltimore Ravens when he crossed paths with Don Martindale, who's been there for a long time. I think that, and I'm sure they will, but I think that Don Martindale could end up taking that Jets job because he can establish a locker room culture. He can get everybody on the same page. I know everybody's worried about, you know, building up an offensive uh, quarterback and having a defensive, you know, a head coach may hinder that. I don't think that's the case. I do think that the Falcons are the best thing, but the Falcons also have to hire a GM. And yes, they're interviewing all these head coaches, but I mean, do you really hire a head coach like Arthur Smith and then hire a GM who may not have any relationship with them or may not uh, be able to trust what Arthur's their plan is going to be aligned. It's, it's tough. And I think it's just a tough year for Arthur Smith in general um, just because of the openings that are open. There are a lot of quality candidates, um, but I do think the Falcons are the best fit. And I think he, it would be a mistake for him to go anywhere else just because, I mean, you only get really, sometimes you, unless you're Adam Gase for whatever reason, you only get one shot at being a head coach. And I'd hate for him to go to somewhere like the Jaguars or the Lions, or even the Jets, where there's just, just you know, it's just just crap surrounding those franchises, right? This you, everybody wants to be the one to fix it, and they think they can fix it. But I, I would just always pass on those three jobs myself. I, I think the Chargers job is the next attractive one after the Falcons, but I just think it's a tough road to get there. I, I think. I think everybody thought at the beginning of the year is going to be such an automatic thing, but at, when you when you calm down and you think about everything that goes into hiring a head coach, like the defensive staff and the rest of the staff, building a staff, all that stuff. It's a lot tougher. Like Vrabel had all these connections, right? He had Patriots connections. He had connections to, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Ohio um, the, yeah. Ohio Texans. state and Texans and all this stuff. And, you know, he was able to coax Dean Pease out of retirement. There's, I don't feel there's anybody maybe Wade Phillips, but I don't really know how you even get to that connection between the two. So like, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough for him at this point because he spent everything except for that one year. He was with the Washington football team back in the day. He spent his whole time in the Tennessee Titans and it's not a good defensive crop of talent to pull from. <laughs> The, the other thing, I, I think the Titans do have two potential GM candidates uh, in, in their organization with Ryan Cowden and uh, Monty Austin Ford. They just reported this morning that Austin Ford is interviewing for the open uh, Panthers job, which Austin Ford just got here. Uh, he just, I believe, this past offseason came to Tennessee from New England. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys. But you almost wonder if you might see a package deal at one of these jobs that has both a GM and head coach opening, like the Falcons, uh, you know, obviously Houston has that, uh, Jacksonville has that. I think those might be the only three. No, Detroit also has that. So those four all have both openings that they're looking to fill in a Cowden, Arthur Smith, or Austin Fort, Arthur Smith, combination could be interesting if they wanted to pair 
uh, a GM with a coach that they have experience with each other working together, particularly Cowden, because Cowden's been here for a long time. He's got a lot of years with Arthur Smith uh, kind of in the same building. So well, I will say this Texans are interviewing Nick Cesario again. They're trying again to get Nick Cesario <laughs> and, and the Jaguars shot Khan is wanting to keep player personnel control and all that kind of stuff. So that's not attractive. So there's two right there. Atlanta yeah. would be the other one, right? Atlanta right now, I just went through their atlantafalcons.com, which they like to break their own stories and make their all their own announcements and everything, as we've seen. Don't have tell people either. that Beasley or not yeah. is not coming back. We are not negotiating. <laughs> <They're> G- <laughs> they have an Atlanta Falcons GM tracker running list of candidates, and neither of those guys are on any of these things. Even Reggie McKenzie's on here. So that leaves Detroit, and I just think it's Robert Soleil. I, I mean, I just do. I mean, I, I would bet thousand dollars that Robert Soleil is going to end up being the head coach of the Detroit Lions. So I, 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 in theory, that's a good idea. But when you start breaking it down like that, looking at each situation individually, I, I don't, I think they stay as well, surprisingly enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a good chance of that. I really did like the Falcons announcing on Twitter. They were reportedly interviewing a head coaching candidate. It's like, well, it's coming from you. Yeah, and to, to match that up, I even made this joke in our group chat over the weekend. It's like you're reportedly interviewing a head coach candidate, but when asked about Vic Beasley, oh yeah, he can get the hot fuck out of here. Yeah, like he's not. <laughs> that's not reportedly. You can quote me. Bye. <laughs> he needs to go. Quote me. The Falcons get yeah. out. <laughs> quote me. Someone did ask the Falcons last year on Twitter. Source. They said uh, us. The, the Falcons. Falcons. <laughs> We're the source. I will say um, this: if the Falcons do hire Lewis Riddick, I think that. That's a very good sign that either Raheem Morris is going to stay or they do go after Art Smith because Lewis Riddick's pretty big on the Titans. He is. And Art yeah, Smith's he's job. Been, he's been that's that's a danger. That's one to keep an eye out on. So here we go. Titans Ravens Sunday at noon. Uh, home playoff game. Titans fans have been wanting that for a while. Are either of you going to the game? I'm trying. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it work. Yeah, I'm I'm also efforting, but uh, not not sure I'm going to be able to make it make it work either. So we'll we'll see. I'm I'm trying. I've I've been to uh, the last. You know, believe it or not, the Titans have only had what four home playoff games since they moved to Nashville. Which let's let's set that out there and appreciate how rare this has been. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people are mad at the defense and stuff like that, but this team has given us a home playoff game in Nashville, and that's only happened. This is the fifth time in twenty two seasons uh the the franchise has been playing here so let's appreciate that um but i've been to i think three of the four home playoff games um i did not unfortunately the one i missed was the music city miracle game because i was working uh at the time which is very unfortunate but you don't want to say uh, you were attending it like nine hundred thousand other people i know right yeah that's uh that's the uh the game that everyone in Nashville went to, but yeah, apparently and stayed for the whole time. Definitely didn't and walk stayed out. for the whole thing. Didn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to go. I'd, I'd really like to be in the house for this one. It feels like uh, a good opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you're not going to the game, you got a hell of a weekend coming up. It's a triple header of, of, of playoff games. I, I have no plans to do anything but watch football this weekend. I am not allowing people to schedule anything this weekend for myself at all. I've been watching football all day Saturday and Sunday for sure. But 
Uh, again, Brave and Titan Sunday at noon. If you're going, we hope to see you there. I am also efforting as well. I would like to be in attendance for this one, but you know, we'll see. Um, that is going to do it for us. Football and other F-words are brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com. As always, please check us out over there. Uh, Mike has always got great stuff up. Zach does. I do not know how to write very well. So we are not going to be having written content from Mike, but you can definitely listen to any of the audio content I put out. Uh, again, Football and other F-words, really appreciate you tuning in. Like, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. And as always, thank you for tuning in. You've just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.